0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I connect with other like-minded women to share their story. I am your host, Katerina Burjanova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. I am joined today by Katerina Spinelli, a purpose coach who specializes in helping support children of immigrants by teaching them to connect with their inner compass. Katerina, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you too. Another Katarina, which just makes it all that much more special.
1: The world just needs more.
0: (laughs) They do. They really do. And so, as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? Mm, Thank you for asking me
1: that this is a question I reflect on every day and that's changed so much in the last few years where before I would have like gratitude journals and I would be sitting there like, Oh my gosh, what am I grateful for? And like, it would be racking my brain. And now I think finding a newfound sense of like just peace in the moment. It's like, Oh my gosh, I'm grateful that I have arms. I'm grateful that I have hands. I'm grateful that I can breathe air, like just the tiny little things, because when you don't have those things, it's like the biggest deal in the world. And we sometimes are in such a rush that we forget that we have so much abundance just here right now. And, you know, it's not about grasping for more. So my long-winded answer will be... (laughs) I am just grateful for this body. I am grateful for you. I am grateful for the beautiful home that I have. I'm grateful for all the love in my life. I'm grateful,
0: yeah, for my feet, for the air, for my health. Oh, I love that. No, there is so true. Like sometimes we like focus on one little thing that we're grateful for, but then it's nice to look and step back and be like, wow, there's so much to be grateful for, not just something, you know, very specific. I love that you just encompass it's like you're grateful for life and being alive. So I love that. Yeah, that's a
1: beautiful way to put it. I think, (laughs) but it's true, right? We don't know, you know, how much time we have on this planet. And so to be grateful for, exactly what you have in this moment I think it helps to also curve so much of what you know we struggle with where a lot of that like anxiety and depression comes from it's always wanting more wanting different than what we have versus like having the peace of what is here and now right
0: Mm -hmm. that's so perfectly said as well Well, Katerina, the reason I reached out to you when I saw you on Instagram is I loved your message in your coaching program and just kind of how you have taken, how you've grown up and turned it into a way to help others. And that's by helping people who are children of immigrants. And so I'd love for you to share with the listeners kind of your story, your journey, and what led you to become a coach.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Thank you. So
1: my parents are actually Italian immigrants. And it's complex. Like, I I was able to experience both realities in my childhood. Like, I I was born here but quickly moved back and, you know, had a very different lifestyle, had a lot of family and community and connection, and pace is also very different, and culture and cultural norms and conditions. And then kind of came back to Canada because it wasn't necessarily – a space that my parents thought that there was a great future for, especially in Southern Italy, there's a lot of poverty and it's hard to kind of find work. And so I'm grateful that they decided to come back to, to Vancouver and it's just a different world, right? It's, it's a land of opportunity Mm -hmm. for a lot of people in the world. It's a land of potential safety. It's a land where you can build something. Whereas in some of our future country or past countries that, isn't necessarily, and it differs for so many people, right? There's a range, right? Some people experience really traumatic situations and wars and and others, it is poverty. And whatever the reason is, you're in a new country and being in a new country, especially with very different value systems, which we sometimes don't really even recognize, it can be confusing, Mm -hmm. especially for if you're stuck in the middle. So I grew up Here for the most part and back and forth and so I had access to this like these different ways of being and it was so confusing because I remember being a kid and being like who am I like I notice in this situation I have to change who I am like you know I have to change the way that I speak I have to change my personality I have to change how I say things and it was always this like internal battle it was like okay which one are you gonna be in this moment look around you make sure that you're fitting in right Mm -hmm. like the reaction that people are having is the same reaction you're having like if they're laughing you're laughing and it was always this outsourcing of like who am i based off of where i was and it got to a point where i didn't realize how much it was weighing on me in terms of like anxiety, in terms of things that I thought were so normal, right? Like, I thought it was normal to like bite my nails, I thought it was normal to like have these anxious moments, and it was supported obviously by like my family unit because that's all they knew, right? And in, in that survival state, and it wasn't until I was working kind of more professionally you know, getting a good job, that was also causing me so much stress, where I started to kind of explore this and be like, you know what, I'm having panic attacks. You know what, like, this doesn't feel right. Like the friends I'm around don't feel, you know, right to me the checklist that I've done and had in my life, the good job, the friends, the social life, the clothes, all of that was not satisfying at all. It was like, why am I experiencing this this feeling and it wasn't until i took that step back to realize like because you're not being yourself and for a huge part in my early years i will say that i was fortunate enough to experience the sense of connection to something bigger than myself like a, a spirituality so to speak and i noticed the more that i was abandoning all parts of me the like funny little italian girl parts and <laughs> like funny like They call it American, but like the Canadian parts, the more I tried to conform into wherever I was, the emptier and emptier and emptier I felt. And I was like, where is this spark? Like, I know it's somewhere. It feels so numb. And I was like, you know, I got to do something before this gets really bad and I can feel it. And so that led me to women's groups. And I started to kind of explore and learn and get into like more spiritual circles and do a lot of self-work a lot of therapy. And it came to a point where I started to understand and realize that I'm not going to fit in to one place or the other, that there is a mold that is super unique to just who I am. And I was thinking like most of the people around me are from other countries. They are children of immigrants. Most of my friends don't come from here. And I was like, and they express the same type of situations like you know I'm for instance the guilt of like going out and doing something that you like or the fear that comes up or like the mental story of like do you actually want to do this even though it's something so simple like I want to go for a bike ride you know and it's like it was shocking to me to see and realize like that didn't really coincide with what's necessarily being taught and like another form of authenticity which I find is an expansion of our reality. It's an expansion of like what we understand a person to be, right? We try to put people into boxes. We try to check you off so I can figure you out and and know what you're about. And it's like people that are in the middle really kind of break a lot of those boxes. And I don't know if society is necessarily set up for that yet.
0: Wow, there's so much I want to touch on that you talked about because. I also resonate with a lot of what you said, Um, going back to what you said about the beginning as a child, kind of changing personalities, as I mentioned to you in the email, or I think the DM is, so I'm first generation immigrant, but I came over to the U.S. when I was five with my mom and she married an American. So growing up, I was mostly in the U.S. with an American dad and Czech mom, but of course every summer I would go back to Czech. And you made such a good point about the split personalities and how you express yourself. And I started to notice that as I started getting older, especially as a teenager, I was still going to check. But the way I would kind of express myself in front of family, the phrases that I could use, the slang, you're not a totally different person, but you're very different in the language and how you you know, kind of present yourself or the jokes or how you act. And I remember one time I was with one of my friends who I also resonate with what you said about being friends with more immigrant children, which when I look at my friend group, most of my friends are mixed, dual nationalities, grew up some in Czech, Europe, the US, you know, all sorts of, because you really, I felt like I really connected with those friends because they kind of got it. And, you know, also having a, a parent with an accent at home, that was something also like those friends understood. But there was one instance when I was probably 14 years old and I had a friend in Czech who was actually half Czech, half Vietnamese, but had a kind of a British background, just all over the kind of all over the map there. And with her, I mostly spoke English. So I got to be like an American with her and, you know, we got to be talking and she and I went to, we have a family cottage in South Czech and there I was with my dad. So my dad pulled me aside and he said, Hey, are you feeling okay? Because you seem kind of different. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're just kind of a different person around your friend than you are with like the family. And I remember like, well, I mean, in my head, I thought, well, I'm just being a, a kid. So of course I'm going to be slang and I'm going to make jokes and maybe cuss a little, but I won't do that in front of family. As I was growing up. I noticed in hindsight, like, Oh no, this was kind of a different personality change. And so it's really interesting that you brought that up is like there are the different personalities. And I think as children of immigrants, we are also very adaptable and we can kind of mold and figure out, you know, what the situation needs, which can sometimes, as you said, kind of what you mentioned about is you start to get confused when what personality should I bring out for the situation? So I think you yeah, really hit the nail on the head head with that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your experience and it's something I relate to, right? It's, I think on every level, we forget that, mm-hmm. right? It's like not just expressing, it's minute, it's so tiny, right? That adaptability in the sense of like, you know, watching people's facial figures, I'm like, what's funny, right? Am I, what's the type of humor going on here? Is it more like slapstick? Is it clever? Like, did I get the joke? And like, you know, changing your actual like reaction to things. and then you know, it goes to language, it goes to self-expression. And I find a lot of the pieces, like, although that adoptability is a beautiful, beautiful gift, it's like a coin, right? There's two sides of that. And there's two sides to, I think, a lot of common themes that you see with children of immigrants, where it's like, yes, that's a beautiful gift in so many ways, and so many settings, and we need that in the world. And also, if you aren't very conscious or aware of it, it shows up in a very dark shadow side. And that's like a huge self abandonment. That's where you find a lot of like self hatred or, you know, unknowing what you're doing. It's, it's when you have that root in yourself. And you're like, I know exactly who I am, you know, apart from the ego personality, apart from how I'm choosing to react in this situation, but I I have a deep sense of like knowing of what that is, then I can play with it, right? Then I can actually like enjoy and I feel like. That's a gift that a lot of immigrant children, bicultured individuals, multicultured individuals have that maybe people that don't have that experience and have always just kind of been in the same environments don't necessarily have that skill built in, right? Mm -hmm. And it's something we can all learn and share with one another and, and how to actually do that from a grounded space, right? Instead of a space of I'm trying to be somebody else, I'm trying to find happiness and comfort and, you know, community and being accepted and loved by abandoning. Mm -hmm.
0: And so what are some ways then if someone is feeling that shadow aspect come up and they're feeling like, you know, I can't, even as an adult, what kind of personality should come up in the situation or that shadow work comes up? What is some of the advice that you give? I mean,
1: I would say it's a process. I would say it's very much be gentle. I think a lot of that also comes with shame, right? Especially as a child of immigrants, I think like you're constantly hearing how you need to be or not be. And, you know, I mean, this is very different depending on situations and, you know, your own personal, I guess, story and situation, any traumas and things like that. But a lot of the time when immigrants kind of come to the country, they are in that survival mode, right? So, parents kind of go into that mode of like, I need to protect or don't do this or here are really strong boundaries. And again, that's going to vary for everybody. It was something I personally experienced, especially being a female. It's like the boundaries are like extra set and it's like, okay, how do I take that and work with it? Right? Like how do I soften? How do I notice the shame? I think The way that you change anything is really by starting to build awareness around your mental talk, what's coming up, what emotions are coming up for you. And start slow, right? It's not gonna change in a day, it's not gonna change in a year. Needless to say, I know that sometimes that's disheartening, but healing is really a life journey. I still have things that come up that are the same things that have always come up, but I have more tools to deal with it now. And so it doesn't necessarily plague me the same way. But That's not to say that I'm gonna come into an experience in life and it's gonna shell shock me, right? It's knowing kind of what your tools are, where to go. Specifically children of immigrants, I will also say is building safety and building spaces that you know are safe and actually really loving. Because a lot of us didn't actually really experience that I find. Like a lot of the time we've experienced love as control. We've experienced love as like abandoning ourselves. And so to be held with a mirror in a situation that is safe to be like okay how you want to react how you want to feel that's okay that's probably been some of the most powerful
0: changing
1: pieces of work that I've I've gotten to experience so
0: mm. wow and do you notice now as an adult compared to when you were a child so when you were a child you were going between Canada and Italy a lot more do you as an adult, still go between the countries as much? Or is it more of a, I'll go to Italy when now I want to go to Italy? Or is it more frequent, less frequent? Yeah, I mean,
1: I thought I was tricking the system in my 20s and I was like, you know what? I don't wanna be here anymore, I wanna move to Italy. I feel Italian, I'm gonna move there. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make a life there. And I packed my bags and I moved to Florence and I thought, hey, I'm here forever. (laughs) This is my new home because I fit in here. And even there, it was funny because people were like, we don't know where you're from. (laughs) Like, You look Italian. Mm -hmm. The minute you open your mouth, you're not from, you know, the north. You're from the south. There's always those pieces, right? Everyone's always trying to tell you what you're not. And I think it's just, it kind of sparked something in me to be like, okay, maybe I don't actually belong here. but it's not that I don't belong as like, you know, I, I wouldn't fully live there. It's more so I was trying to over identify with that instead of actually accept that, Hey, I'm actually, I am actually different than everyone else here. And so I do have family there and I do, I did make it a rule to try to go back every couple of years because that is something really, really, really important to me. And the bonds I have there, you don't need words. They're very, very unique. And because of COVID, I just haven't gone back, but I'm hoping to this summer. My cousin's getting married, so oh, we'll see.
0: That's the fun thing now is we go for weddings. That's, like, been the thing now. It's, like, the now it's, like, going for fun stuff, like, birthdays or weddings or, like, babies are born or things like that. So I love that you're going, again, for a wedding. And I feel like also when you travel back to kind of that home country for a celebration, it almost puts the pressure off of your emotions coming back because everybody will be so preoccupied with the event that you can just kind of come in and just be part of the family, but no one's, you know, I feel like at least what I've noticed is when I go back to check, if it's not a holiday or a wedding or something, and you just kind of go there when like everyone's having a normal life, it's a very different atmosphere. (laughs) They have more time, more energy to be like, so what's going on in your life? What's you know, start picking you apart a little bit. So that's great that you're going back for a wedding and for a celebration
1: yeah I'm curious about that too when you Mm -hmm. go back like that's something else that comes up too is do you get there's two things in my head Mm -hmm. like one thing that I can relate to is expectations of when you come back like Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have this like we have this unspoken expectation of like bringing gifts and things like that it's almost like kind of having to like take what you've got there and like bring it back. And and there's almost like this idea that it's like, okay, because they've moved to another country, they must have money. They must mm-hmm. do this, they must do that. And so they're coming back and then they're going to, you know, take care of us and whatever. And then on the, on the reverse, there's also that internalized expectation of like, okay, we have to take them here. We have to do this. Like there has to be things done. Whereas like the interactions are, I guess, a little bit more, heightened Mm -hmm. I don't know that's not the right word but you know it's not like you're saying like a normal attraction where you would maybe see your family here and it's like it's more mundane right like you get to experience it differently whereas it is a bit of a celebration people are like I don't get to see you all the time so I'm gonna almost pedestal you right Mm -hmm.
0: no absolutely I agree with that definitely growing up more especially with the gifts and the gift giving Especially, I don't know if you have like Marshalls or like those like shops in Canada where you can get nice clothing for a little more like that. Definitely like, oh, can you get me this? And oh, can you give me this Calvin Klein? You know, all those designer things. That I'm getting more from my younger sister actually recently. But the gift giving was a huge thing. And I know my mom actually set kind of a great example for us where she at one point, because we'd go there every summer and it was like, we bring gifts and they give us gifts. And then the suitcases are so packed. It's absolutely ridiculous. You pay overweight. I mean, I still pay overweight now, but (laughs) that's because I buy myself stuff. But it's, you know, it's the expectations that are high. And so my mom made kind of this rule, which I now follow. And it's instead of giving each other gifts, let's go do something. Let's go to the theater or let's go out for dinner. And then at dinner, we'll celebrate all the birthdays we missed, all the anniversaries, all the whatever holidays, everything. And let's rather than you spend money on something that I now have to get into a suitcase, let's, you know, instead do an experience. So I've gone to the theater with my grandma and said, I'm like, Hey, like, let's do this. Let's go to the opera. Let's go, you know, for a day trip to one of the, there's so many castles in check. Let's go to a day trip, go to a castle or, Hey, let's spend a day together and let's, that's like my gift. And then that ends up being so much more memorable and doesn't stuff your suitcase (laughs) in a way. So definitely that is what we followed and my mom I think set a really great example of that.
1: I love that. I actually I I fully agree because I think sometimes too, depending on the culture as well, like I've noticed this sense of materialism that's grown over the years. Whereas like I remember as a kid, like my Nono would always tell me, like you buy something nice and you keep it well. Like you fix it, you know, you go to the cobbler, you fix your shoes you know, it's not like you're going to go and buy a new pair of shoes every month, right? And that's completely changed from when I was younger and, and the values I was kind of taught. And that's something that I noticed as well. It's like quality has gone down, like not not a part. Besides that, it's, it's attached to the mentality of like, our, what are we attaching our worth and our value and identity to? Whereas before it was like, buy something nice, mm-hmm. keep it good. Sure, maybe it expresses you and who you are, but also your value is from how you behave. Your value is from, you know, how honest you are, how much integrity you hold. And that's something that I take from kind of like the old world of like, yeah, that's how I want to show up in the world. It's not about the things, right? And so I so love that your mom has twisted that into like experiences because that is is essentially the piece that is missing when you're not somewhere else, right? Is experience, the ability to share time with someone, the ability to, you know, create a memory with them, really be present fully in that moment and to honor their like being because that's what's left at the end of the day. I can think of so many times like sitting at the kitchen table at my grandparents' house And my, you know, the things that are left aren't what shoes did she buy? The things that are left are like, this person did this funny thing in this moment and this story and like unfolding how it went. And this is how they interact. This is how they always kind of were, you know, as a person and, and seeing that passed down through the line. And I think that's like a richness and a wisdom that a lot of us, if we are disconnected from, miss out on. And we carry in our body. Right? Like a lot of that is like trauma. It's transgenerational, you know, wisdom and trauma and pain, but also gifts that we carry. And when we are cut off from that, we almost forget. And it's like, yeah, then we question ourselves. We question, like, why is it that I'm interacting this way? Or why is it that I have these thoughts? Like a lot of our thinking is stuff that we've heard before and it might not be us. It might have been our grandparents, right? And then they repeated that and then our parents repeated it to us and like we're repeating it and it's just not making sense in the moment. And it's when we can dive into our roots, when we can actually take a step back from being so externally focused that we're more internally
0: focused, that we can actually tap into like our ancestors on a deeper level as well, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: No, I really agree with that because... I think as individuals who aren't always in the family as well, we have a different relationship than our cousins. Like my cousins, the relationship they had with my grandparents and my aunts and uncles is vastly different than the relationship I had. Because like you said, we have the ability to kind of step back and look at the situation, look at the story, whatever memory. And it mean it holds a deeper meaning to us as well because it's not in this... Oh, I'm going to go to grandma's uh, next week. Oh, it doesn't work out. I'm too busy. And like for us, we have a totally different sense of connection with that family and with that ancestry as well. And I think we're also more curious about it as well, because it's something we're not surrounded by every day. Because then we go home and we go to school or we go to work after, you know, our trip to see all the family. So it's kind of a different connection we have than I think some of our other family members.
1: I fully agree. I hear that quite a bit, you know, like, from my grandparents. And, and it's not to say that there's a wrong or a right in that, right? Because when we come back home, what are we doing? We're doing that with maybe our other family members. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a great reminder and opportunity for us to break out of that monotony, right? That like taking it for granted and being like, okay, I'm actually really full here in this moment what am I grateful for? Like what you started out with, right? It's like, I'm grateful for my grandparents, even though I don't get to see them all the time. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for my friends. Mm -hmm. And being able to kind of break that unconscious, kind of like robotic way of being, Mm -hmm. it's like a pattern interrupt, right? It helps you to expand. It helps you to allow your spirit to come through more. It helps you to share more love. It's one of the gifts, right? Right. We're speaking... Gifts, it's part of being in that space if you take it that way. Or you could take it from the other side, which is like I'm always missing something. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something I grew up with. (laughs) Always feeling like I'm always missing out. I'm always missing one thing or I'm always missing something else. And again, it's that externalization. It's when we bring it back in, we're like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna take, you know, advantage of this right now with whatever I've got. But I also will say it's quite interesting that you mentioned that and I'm curious what type of like beliefs and pieces that you see in your family that is back in check that like they aren't really aware of that maybe you can pick up on because you have a different perspective.
0: Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm trying to think of my family on how I have a different perspective. I would say the first thing that comes up and I don't know, like for some reason why it came up was definitely race. and kind of in Czech. Czech is of. It's not one of the more friendlier countries as a whole to, for example, refugees and people of, I mean, the newer generation, yes, I would say probably more than the older generation, but that's something, and I don't want to call out any family members, of course, but I would say growing up in the United States, and I lived on the East Coast of New Hampshire, California, a little bit of Colorado and Illinois, I never really saw race as just, it was always a person. Like my friend, race wasn't anything I would really judge a friend. Like, I'm not going to be a friend with that person because of their race. It just, that person is nice. I like them. Great. I'm going to be friends with them. I can't say speak for my family, you know, especially certain family members when they see a different race, you know, there's comments that are made, things like that on the street or even just behind closed doors. So that I would say is like the biggest thing. And it could be because I now live in a country that is such a melting pot. I mean, there's this mix of everybody. I mean, you look at my classroom photos from elementary school, And it's just, you know, a bunch of kids. Well, when you go to check, it's, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes with a few brunettes, you know, it's like very, very different. So I would say the race would definitely come up. That's interesting you say that because I can mirror that
1: similarly, like especially when I was living in Italy, like I noticed that quite a bit. And again, because of the current state of the world and a lot of refugees, but that's so interesting to me because it's like the minute I started to dig in a little bit further, it opened up into my own, you know, ancestry and wisdom, it opened up something bigger, which was that, and this is, I think, one of the ways we put ourselves into boxes sometimes too. And I love that you say that as part of a conditioning, because when I look back into how many times where my ancestors are from, or my family's from, and has been for centuries, I guess, centuries at this mm-hmm. point, It they've been attack I don't know if attack's the right word but they've been invaded there we go yeah <laughs> they've been invaded so many times by so many different groups of people mm-hmm. and i look at my own like makeup my own dna and for instance like my blood type i was curious and i did it one day and you know you can kind of trace back the lineage and mm-hmm. and it was very i think what came back was it was like a very like asian lineage mm-hmm. and i know that mm-hmm. persians kind of Persian Empire, they did conquer like that land for a little bit of time. If you look at, you know, my family and you look at me and a photo of, you know, of me compared to them, I am very visibly white. I'm very pale looking. And was a kid with little blonde like strawberry hair next to them, who have these really olive, dark, dark hair, dark eyes, dark features. And it's so fascinating because it's like we carry all of that within us. Like we are are still a mixed bag, but we forget that because of all the conditioning of, you know, we're trying to be this and that and not that. Right. And I think we're almost like the little like divergent rule breakers where we're like, Yeah, but remember you're actually part of everything. We're actually really a lot more connected than you think you are.
0: Yep. No, that's so true. And as you were talking, I just I thought of a question I wanted to ask you now, just since there's, yeah, you resonate, I resonate with so much of what you said. And it sounds like it's kind of that goes both ways is family expectations on you as a woman. And I don't know if you're married or have children or how old you are, but do you ever I feel like my family here in the US and I've got a sprinkle of some family, step family. I've never felt the pressure of having a child. But when I go over <laughs> to check that pressure of and the comments are much more dominant there
1: yeah that's something I so I'm not married I and that's the funny thing I mean my you know early 30s my cousins are younger than me they're getting married babies and so it's like I sometimes get that from my mom she's like I love you mom but she's like I don't know if I'm gonna have grandchildren and it's like well does it and and my mom is pretty with the times too, like she's tries to grow in her own way and is open, but I know where that's coming from. And not to say that, that's, that's, there's any, you know, wrong, right way. I believe also in divine timing of things Mm -hmm. and, you know, the right things falling together at the right times. It's more so just really funny in terms of like what we're taught Mm -hmm. has to happen at exactly certain times. Not that I even think it's wrong to necessarily like want to have a family or be married or those values are are inherently wrong. I actually really believe in them. I just find that too everyone has their own path, right? We weren't mm-hmm. all made to sing. We weren't all made to do the same thing. But those internalized expectations are actually what really get you, especially when you have timelines, mm-hmm. right? And when you're living from a space of authenticity and like your soul I feel that the right things will happen to you when it's meant to, and it's not on your own timeline, right? Like we're not here to be put into boxes. We're here to kind of expand past that. And they serve a purpose, not rejecting them, but also to come back to the moment, come back to what's real for you. But I also see how those expectations land in so many other ways, especially in little conditioning that you carry forward, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I remember always being told, like, don't wear that skirt or, you know, or something popping up in my head is my dad. No boyfriends until you get your university degree. Right. <laughs> and it, it was all around survival. It was all around like, you got to work hard. I want you to have a good job. I want you to, like, make the family proud mm-hmm. and not do anything that would, like, be dishonorable. Mm-hmm. Right. And that sticks with you. That impacts the way that you live your life. That impacts the way that you honor your authenticity.
0: That impacts your relationships, right? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you the oldest child or only child? (laughs) The oldest? Oldest. Do you have siblings?
1: Yeah, two twin brothers. Yeah, so. okay.
0: So and I think that also speaks to because I'm the oldest sibling as well and I have three sisters. One is from my mom and stepdad's marriage and then two other sisters from my dad and stepmom's marriage, but being the oldest child as well is puts that's a whole another conversation for another time, but I think you really touched on a point too is the don't disappoint us and I mean, I've wanted to be an architect since I was 10 years old. I knew that was kind of the path I wanted to go on, but there was definitely pressure of you're going to college regardless of, I mean, thankfully I had a you know a career, but I didn't know if I even would want to continue that career during college. But I remember there was no, you're not going to college there's, you're going to keep going. And it wasn't ever really t- said to me, but I knew like, wow, I have this opportunity to be in the United States, to be where people from Czech want to go and study. And so I better take this opportunity because I'm lucky because I was handed it to me. But also there just pressure comes with that.
1: hundred percent. And that's the guilt and shame, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and that's what comes with kind of being in, in the new world is like, you might have to in situations right give up your identity give up your authenticity give up how you want to express yourself because of the tribal values right you don't want to disappoint anybody that your family's depending on you that you've been given this opportunity and there is so much guilt and shame that drives a lot of things and habits like perfectionism and like having to like overwork ourselves and not knowing when to stop and rest and do the things that feed your soul. Whereas it sounds like you were really lucky that you have had this like attachment to being an architect and you kind of had that passion. And usually in the coaching, a lot of the time it's like, you know, when people don't know what they want to do with their lives, like I can even think of my path where I was stuck and I'm like, I don't know. I've done like sustainability. I've done this. I've done that. I've been in baking. Like, what do I want to do? And it was going back to like what I loved doing as a kid. Right. And if you can kind of like tap into that, that actually helps you to spark a little bit of your passion and tap into that authenticity again and, and expand it. Whereas you're right. Like you can forget that with all of that conditioning put in and be like, I'm doing this for my parents. I'm doing this to make them happy and proud of me. Right? I'm, I'm getting married. I'm doing the things to kind of go along and please the family. And that's something that clashes a lot of the time with North American values where it's like independent, be free, do whatever you want. And so it's like, how do I find who I am in this? How do I find me? What makes me happy? Because part of what makes me happy is my family. Part of what makes me me is like being in community, being in tribe, being accepted, being loved. It's just the way that we've been loving has been about control and power versus actually allowing somebody to be themselves. And like, that's a generalization. I think there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, that's kind of what I've learned through being in the middle and and those experiences. Whereas I think the complete opposite also, it doesn't work, too, in my, my perspective where it's like independent all the way mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't need anybody else. And it's like, but really, we were designed to be together. It's how do we find that balance so we're not compromising who we are?
0: Katarina, I have loved this conversation. I realized as we were talking, I've never actually, as an adult, sat down and talked to my friends about what it was like, like really on a deeper level, because like I have a few friends I've just thought of. I'm like, yeah, we sit and we talk about how life is, but this has been so therapeutic (laughs) in a way, just this conversation with you. And I hope whoever is listening to this also can resonate, and I'm sure they will, and my listeners are going to love hearing from you because it's, As children of immigrants or children who grew up between two nationalities, you know, there's that sometimes we feel like we're alone and, you know, we're different, like kind of what you touched base on at the beginning of the episode. But it's so nice to know that there's a community, especially here in North America, huge community of people who, even though they may not be from the same mother country, you know, there are cultural differences. There is a community you can reach here. So you don't feel less alone or so you feel less alone.
1: A hundred percent. And something that I always remember is that if you, your background isn't, you know, of the first nations or indigenous cultures of the land, you came from somewhere, someone in your lineage felt this, right. And it's, it could be so close that it's your parents or yourself and a very direct experience, or it could be further down the line, but that stays with you. Right. And I feel like to reconcile that and to reconcile all, all parts of you, instead of necessarily having to give that up because you come to a new country and like fit into another mold of what you need to be, to reconcile those pieces, put them back together and expand and be that person in your lineage that allows for a new way of being, that's a huge gift, right? Like that's an incredible opportunity and it's worth taking and it's worth connecting and building community off of. To make happen.
0: Absolutely. Well, Katerina, thank you so much again for coming on the From the Honeycomb podcast. And where can listeners connect with you?
1: Yeah, thank
0: you for having me. And
1: listeners can connect um, on my website, www.holy, that's spelled W H O L E, little hyphen Y.ca. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And send me a DM. My Instagram is spinelli underscore Katerina. And I'm more than happy to chat. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for for this and all your time. And thank you to the listeners as well.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb. If you liked it, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. And be sure to check out the link in the show notes to sign up for my monthly newsletter where you will receive a spark of positive energy in your inbox. Thank you so much and see you next week.